Hey, Phobos, sisters, brothers, and others. I'm Jinx, and today we don't have Harper again. She's actually really sick, unfortunately, so I'm gonna do our first little bit of true crime in, what, three episodes now? Four? This will be the fourth episode uh, that we've done anything true crime? I don't know, honestly. Uh, everything's been a little crazy lately. We've all been sick. Um, I'm getting over it. <laughs> But we've been sick, and I opened up a shop. It's on Etsy. It's called The Spelling Jar. And uh, it is linked in our website, so you can always find it. It's also in our uh, Facebook as well. Uh, so, yeah. And that's been interesting. If you want, like, custom spells or a stress relief spell, which actually I'm really proud of the stress relief spell because <laughs> it's multifaceted, so it helps to relieve stress, but it takes the energy from your stress and helps you uh, push that towards productivity, which is, I, I think is great. Um, so I'm really proud of that one. But yeah, so we uh, have been doing a lot and, you know, it's the holidays and honestly, the holidays for Harper and I both are just the fucking worst. Like, I hate holidays. Like, I'm not a celebratory person to begin with. And, you know, the only reason I do celebrate is because we have Nugget, you know? But, like, I work as a distributor for liquor, <laughs> beer, wine, and spirits. And I'm just like, <laughs> I had a 12-hour day today. 12-hour day today. And I'm here recording right now. This is getting posted tonight. This is getting edited and posted tonight. So I did a 12-hour day, and then I did this on top of it. But good news is I'm actually really proud of this one. I put a lot of work into this. It's another compilation. And unfortunately, like I said, Harper's not really here to uh, give her fun commentary, which is, you know, it sucks. But, you know, she's sick. There's nothing much we can do. So without further ado, here we go. back with another compilation. I'm actually really proud of this one. I did a lot of work for this one. Um, so here we go. One of the most prolific murderers in British history was body farmer Amelia Dyer. She trained as a nurse and a midwife, becoming a baby farmer in the 1960s. The Poor Law Amendment Act of 1834 made it so fathers of illegitimate children wouldn't have to be legally financially responsible, leaving many women optionless. Baby farmers would take in children for a fee, and they looked like good places for unwanted children to be placed, but more often than not, the children were mistreated or even killed. Miss Dyer would assure clients that the children under her care would be given a safe and loving home. At first, she'd let the children die of starvation and neglect, giving them Mother's Friend, or Godfrey's Cordial, which was an opium-laced syrup to keep them quiet as they suffered. What a bitch. Eventually, Dyer resorted to quicker methods, allowing her to gain more money. She eluded police for years, but was caught and arrested when a doctor became suspicious of the number of babies dying under her care. Hmm, wonder why. 
She was only charged with neglect and sentenced to six months of labor. She got off excruciatingly easily, so of course she went right back to business. She began disposing of the bodies herself, avoiding any added risk, as well as relocating often and using aliases. She was eventually caught again when an infant's body connected to a Miss Thomas, one of her aliases, was found in the Thames. Authorities raided her residence and were overcome with the stench of human remains, though no bodies were found. Several more infant bodies were found in the Thames, each with white edging tape still wrapped around their necks. A quote from this bitch is literally, that was how you could tell it was one of mine. That's a fucking quote, like, calm down, Dennis. <laughs> Dyer was tried at the Old Bailey in March of 1896, using insanity as her defense. The jury took less than five minutes to reach a guilty verdict. Not even kidding. She only pled guilty to one murder, but is estimated to have killed upwards of 400 children. Wednesday, June 10th, 1896, Amelia was hanged. An interesting little theory about her is that because the murders occurred around the same time period, some believed that Dyer and Jack the Ripper were one and the same, and that the Ripper's victims were botched abortions committed by Dyer. Oh, of course there's little evidence backing the theory. It was just a little, you know, little tidbit. That's usually what I grab. Doubtful, but interesting. On to our next little missy. Uh, because Harper's not here, I'm not going to torment you guys. It's like female murderers. I originally was going to do like all female nurses, and then I was just like, wait a minute. There's just so much more. So I went on a bit of a tangent, just so you know. Not a, not, mm, not a tangent. More like I fell down several rabbit holes. Each one of these is more than a page, which is a lot for me. <laughs> I did a lot. All right. Jolly Jane Tapan was a serial killer in Massachusetts, late 1800s. Her goal in life was quite wholesome indeed. To have killed more people, helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived. You know, girl stuff. That's an actual fucking quote from her. <laughs> to have killed more people, helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived. That is a quote from her. Born to the name of Nora, she grew up in Boston's female asylum with her sister Delia and hundreds of other girls. BFA was a place where unwanted female children were often abandoned. Nora was considered lucky as she was fostered out as an indentured servant to a widow by the name of Anne Tapan, who had changed Nora's name to Jane. Nora was the lucky one because her sister was sent to the streets for prostitution when she was of age. Jane was released at 18 and given $50. She decided to continue to work for the family until Anne passed and her daughter married and moved out. After that, she attended Cambridge Hospital in Boston, training to be a nurse. She first worked as a student nurse and got along well with her patients, but this, unfortunately, is where things began to take a turn. She began falsifying their documents and medical records to keep them in the hospital longer. She had particular feelings about her elderly patients, mainly that they were useless and not worth keeping alive. 
not kidding. While working as a student nurse, she managed at least a dozen murders, dosing her elderly patients with opium to see how they would react. And then upping the dose so she could watch them suffer and ultimately die. She also began poisoning her patients with different drugs and would sometimes stage a sickness with poison just to nurse them back to a miraculous recovery because she knew what was ailing them. So she was able to figure it out while no one else could. She worked as a private nurse for families in Boston for years without even a hint of detection, killing the older family members and stealing their belongings. She also killed her landlords, fellow doctors and nurses, as well as friends she grew bored of. She wasn't caught until she used a poison that was metallic-based, which finally caused an investigation. She was found not guilty in 1902, but then turned around like a fucking idiot and told her attorney that she killed over a hundred people and would sometimes join her victims in their deathbeds, laying next to them and watching them convulse from the poison. Immediately following her confession, another trial was scheduled and she was sentenced to life in an asylum. She stayed in asylum until she died in 1938 at the age of 81 and media claims she is America's first serial killer. Like, what the fuck, bitch? I... Ugh. This woman, I just, I don't understand it. I'm, I guess it's a good thing I don't understand it. So, okay, this next one... Everyone's gonna know about. Like, the, everyone knows this one. I'm gonna talk about Elizabeth Bathory just a little bit because Morbid did an amazing episode on her. So I'm not gonna go into too many details, but that's, that's on par for me. Elizabeth Bathory used the wealth and position she held to torture those she believed beneath her. She was born to a prominent family of nobles in Hungary and married into another noble family in 1575. Later known as the Blood Countess, she is known for torturing and killing her servants and peasants, and she had been instructed in Satanism and sadomasochism. At least that's what's claimed. She would jam pins and needles under the fingernails of girls. Oh, sorry. <laughs> mm, nope. <laughs> um, bite off chunks of flesh from her victims, etc. You know, just, just some more girl stuff. <laughs> she also is thought to have believed that human blood would help keep her youthful. That's where bloodbaths came into legend. Sadly enough, her crimes were ignored until daughters of local noble families were found among the victims. Killing peasants is fine, they drop like flies anyway, but nobles... Now that's a problem. <laughs> Thing is, her victims were all girls, mostly aged 10 to 14, and she is said to have killed over 600 girls. Her methods are said to have gotten worse after her husband died. She would tie down her victims and smear them with honey, then leave them to be attacked by bees and ants. <laughs> In 1611, she was convicted for 80 counts of murder and was confined to a room of her castle that is said to have only had slits for food and air. She died three years later in 1614. It's speculated that she wasn't actually jailed because the government owed her family a lot of money and the debt was forgiven in exchange. 
like I said, we're not going super, super into Elizabeth Bathory just because we know. We, 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 we know. We just know. In fact, that's why bathrooms are called bathrooms, because of her. And I'm like, wow. I don't know how to feel about that. Okay. So now we are going into... Andrea Yates. Houstonian. So she's from home. Ugh. <laughs> Houstonian Andrea Yates was a woman accused of murdering all five of her children by drowning them in 2001. She was convicted of five counts of murder after she drowned all of her own children one by one in the span of literally an hour. Like, she killed all five of her children in one hour. The murders occurred June 20th, 2001. Noah, born February 26, 1994, was only seven years old. Mary, born November 30th, 2000, was six months old. John was born December 15th, 1995, and was five years old. Paul was born September 13th, 1997, and he was three years old. And Luke was born February 15th, 1999, and he was two. Five literal fetuses lost their lives in one of the most painful ways to die. To a woman they trusted and loved. Here's a quote. She talks about a prophecy. These children of hers needed to die in order to be saved because Andrea Yates was such a bad mother that she was causing these children to deteriorate and to be doomed to the fires of eternal damnation. It's a quote from, I believe it was her defense attorney, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it was by the name of Parnum. Somebody with the last name Parnum. Andrea told investigators that Noah asked her what was wrong with Mary when he saw her. You know, just face down in a tub, and the water was tainted with urine and feces. So Noah had to ask about his little sister. What really hurts is all five of them showed bruising and signs of struggle. Even Mary, a six-month-old infant, tried to fight back. Unfortunately, it was abundantly clear that she was not sane at the time of murder or after them until she was on medication, so her conviction was overturned and she was deemed not guilty by reason of fucking insanity. She murders five children, but it's okay because she's nuts. Ugh. I'm only slightly skeptical on this as her call to 911 after the murders was legitimately so calm. She asks for an officer to come to her house and tells an operator that her husband isn't home. But she becomes disoriented and begins breathing heavily when the operator continually asks her why she needs police. So she's fine until it's just like, what, why do you need police? What's going on? Then she starts freaking out. I just need them to be here, is her response to the operator. When she asks again if she is sure she's alone... To which she replies, no, my kids are here. Plus! Plus! Okay, there's more. She laid her children's... Deceased bodies... Side by side on the bed. 
husband shared. She also went off saying she believed she had the sign of the devil, you know, the triple sixes, burned on her scalp and begged therapists to look. All they found were scabs. All they found were scabs from her trying to scratch off the mark. I personally think she knew what she was doing, but she could have had a manic episode. It's not for me to say. All I know is this is the longest case I've ever done for a compilation, and this chick is from fucking Houston. She was our neighbor, and I'm not okay. <laughs> this was literally two and a half pages. And I went through it pretty quickly, and I know I did because I did not want to... I don't want to be in that world. That... Ugh. I, I, I fucking can't. <laughs> I, I legitimately can't. Three-month-old Eric, one-month-old Julie, two-year-old James, two-month-old Molly, and a two-month-old Noah all died of suffocation at their mother, Juanita Hoyt's, hands. For over 20 years, it was believed that these baby fetuses were victims of sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS for short. Years after the death of Noah, the Hoyts decided to adopt a boy named Jay, who lived through his childhood and was 17 when his adoptive mother was arrested for murder. The last two biological victims of Hoyt were studied for pediatric research connecting sleep apnea to SIDS. In 1994, Hoyt was approached by a state trooper asking for her help in the research he was doing for SIDS, and she agreed. She was interrogated by the trooper and two other policemen and ended up admitting to smothering all five of her biological children. Of course, she was immediately arrested. Sorry, my ankle just popped. And there's the other one. <laughs> fucking, fucking dumbass, man. She said she murdered the children because they were crying and she wanted to silence them. There are other ways to go about that, lady. You did not need to smother your children. You could have very easily given them something to do. They were fucking months old. Barely. They were fucking fetuses. All you had to do was give them a fucking binky or a bottle or something and take care of them instead of fucking murder them. Ugh. Sorry. Anyway. She later recanted, and an expert hired by her defense, Dr. Charles Patrick Ewing. It's it, I got the Dr. Charles and Patrick, but the... It, I don't know if it's Ewing, because it's E-W-I-N-G, or Ewing, Ewing, Ewing. I don't fucking know. It's a wingy boy. Fucking Hermes at this point. I don't know. Sorry, Hermes. <laughs> uh... Uh, Dr. Charles testified that it is my conclusion that her statement to the police on that day was not made knowingly and it was not made voluntarily. What the fuck do you mean it wasn't made voluntarily? She knew she was talking to the police and a fucking trooper. She agreed to help them. And she just straight up said it. If she admitted that, that's fucking voluntary. He diagnosed her with dependent and avoidant personality disorders, as well as noting that she was particularly vulnerable to tactics used during her interrogation. Psychiatrists hired 
by the prosecution, David Barry, agreed that she had been manipulated by police tactics. Nevertheless, she was convicted in April of 1995, literally a month after I was born. Uh, and September 11th, 1995, she was sentenced to 75 years to life, obtaining 15 years for each murder. Good. She died of pancreatic cancer in prison August 1998 and unfortunately was formally exonerated under New York law because she died before her appeal had been heard. It, wh why? Why does that matter? She's fucking dead. Like, ugh. why would you exonerate somebody who's dead? Whatever. I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. Last one. I got one more for you guys. Strikingly beautiful Evelyn Dick is forever known as the notorious torso murderer in Canadian criminal law, even having a song written about her and her gruesome dismemberment. You cut off his legs, you cut off his arms, you cut off his head. How could you, Mrs. Dick? How could you, Mrs. Dick? I don't know how it goes. I'm not even gonna, I'm not, I, I don't know. The local children of Hamilton, Ontario, found the torso of her missing and estranged husband, John Dick, March 16th, 1946. Evelyn was arrested, and police found evidence that the head and other limbs taken from the body had been burned in her furnace at her home. Because that was smart. I can't imagine that smelled good. That, ugh. How, how did her neighbors not notice that? Like, this is in 46. Like, somebody had to notice the reek from that. Just saying. She was immediately a suspect as she had many lovers and was moving around in the upper-class circles of the town, but then shockingly married a Hamilton Street Railway conductor. No surprise, literally five days after they got married, Evelyn cheated. Needless to say, the marriage was tumultuous and they separated quickly. Apparently, she told investigators she knew nothing about his disappearance and then told stories of a mafia hit and then told stories about a man whose wife had been cheating on him with John as quote-unquote likely suspects. Of course, with the bones and, you know, ash from the furnace be uh, being found buried in the backyard and, oh, I don't know, returning a borrowed car with bloodstains on the upholstery that have the same DNA group as John's. Police didn't buy it for a second. Wonder fucking why. After a nine-day trial, jurors deliberated over literally less than two hours and returned with a guilty verdict. She was sentenced to death. Interestingly enough, she wasn't the only one on trial for murder as she signed a sworn statement implicating her lover, Bill... Oh, God. Uh, Bohozik? <laughs> it's the best I got. And her own father, Donald McLean. Of course, she refused to testify against Bill, so he walked free. But her father got five years for accessory to murder. Are you kidding? Man, bros before hoes, bitch. Come on now. <laughs> now, there's actually still more to the story. 
Another gruesome discovery was made when police searched her home. The body of an infant boy, her son Peter, was found encased in concrete inside a fucking suitcase in her attic. She was charged for her husband's murder and got the death penalty, but that was overturned on appeal. She was found guilty of manslaughter and death of an infant and received a life sentence. But get this, she only served 11 fucking years. 11 years. Remember, she had friends in high places that were able to engineer her freedom, and after she got out, she fucking disappeared. Like, she legit just, poof, I'm gone. So, yeah. What the actual fuck? Ugh. Alrighty, guys, I hope you enjoyed that, because I'm proud of it. I did a lot of work on that one. It's still only a fucking half-hour episode, but you know what? It's, uh, I... I'm proud of it regardless. I did good, I think. But um, hopefully Harper will be in for the next one. We don't know, but we'll see you guys in two weeks. We love you. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. Bye.